This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.07. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. First up this hour, a judge has ruled that in divorces, wives are not automatically entitled to maintenance from their ex-husbands. So this was a High Court judge who held in a non-Muslim matrimonial proceeding uh, exactly what you said, that a former wife is not automatically entitled to maintenance from her husband. Um, And the main reason here, the headline reason is due to changing times and circumstances. So this was uh, held by Justice Everell Marriott Peters, who explained that the provisions of the Law Reform Marriage and Divorce Act 1976 were enacted when clear demarcations existed to separate the roles of husbands and wives. In other words, that women at the time were relegated to household matters while husbands provided for the family. But considering the fact that in 2023, these roles have evolved and changed, uh, women are no longer just you know staying at home and therefore left without any form of income if they were to get divorced, that there should therefore be no automatic right for a woman to claim maintenance from her husband. So the judge added that there is no hard and fast rule that a man must maintain his wife or former wife um, and explained that Section 77, Subsection 1 of the Act states that the court may order a man to pay maintenance to his wife or former wife and that this indicates that the court has discretion in the matter and therefore must take all relevant factors into the account. Now, if we look at this specific case, um, the uh, the woman in question, identified as G.O.W., sought for maintenance payment against her former husband husband, G-O-S. And um, she and the court then refused the order, saying that the defendant failed to fulfill the quote-unquote means and needs test. Um, And the court justified the ruling, said that it was governed by this test. Um, And uh, there are children involved as well. And um, it is worth saying, though, that the ex-husband will still have to pay the monthly maintenance of 4,000 ringgit towards the children. So really... um, worth pointing out that the the point of contention here is the maintenance towards the wife and not the maintenance towards the children. I think, um, so I don't know enough about divorce proceedings and what the law says to to kind of weigh in on this. That's why I'm hoping that our guest will be Mm. able to shed light. But on the surface of it, it seems like a reasonable interpretation, does it not? So... I, I think the reasoning given by the judge for it also makes sense in terms of it is how we should be looking at most of our laws anyway to see whether they accommodate for the ways in which times have changed. Yeah. Um, as to how this will impact other cases moving forward is again something I'm not sure about and uh, it's why we're going to be speaking very shortly to family lawyer Go Siu Lin uh, but in the meantime, uh, do send your thoughts through. What's your take on this? Um, a judge has ruled that in divorces, wives are not automatically entitled to maintenance from their ex-husbands. Uh, so let us know. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9. It is 5.11. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about a ruling in a recent case that a divorced wife is not automatically entitled to maintenance payments from her former husband. Um, and therefore, uh, we are going to try and understand what that means. Do weigh in. What's your take on this? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now is family lawyer Gosu. 
Siulin. Siulin, good to have you with us. Hello, um, afternoon. Thank you for having me on the show. So High Court Judge Justice Avril Marriott Peters has held that a former wife, uh, as we said, is not automatically entitled to maintenance from her former husband. So first off, could you walk us through what the laws are here around spousal maintenance in Malaysia? So um, I see that this case has been widely publicised, but gen- the general principle revolving around spousal maintenance actually is not new. It has always been discretionary and it's not automatic that a wife is entitled to maintenance from her husband and vice versa. The, the test, uh, which we will go through later, has always given a discretion to the court to decide whether maintenance should be awarded to the wife or not based on uh, various conditions or facts, you know, which the lawyers have to put forward to the court so that they can make the relevant assessment as to whether maintenance should or should not be awarded in any particular case. So so I think the way um, the reporting, I do understand the reporting of the case seems to indicate that this is new law, but I just want to emphasise that it is not new law. The the matter has always been discretionary and fact-specific. And considering that that discretionary element, I, I suppose my question to you is somewhat anecdotal, but I'm wondering whether the practice mm. has been more often than not to grant these sorts of payments automatically to women in divorce cases or, um, you know, I, I guess I'm just wondering where this, this is coming from. So um, it is not an automatic default position for a wife to be entitled to maintenance. But what happens, what is um, common in the past was that uh, women were not in the in the workplace, so it was very common for women to be homemakers and therefore not part of the, uh, not earning a separate financial income, and therefore based on that they they would be able to show the court that I don't have uh, independent, I'm not have no financial means to be independent. Um, I have to look after the children. I've given up my career. I have no career, and therefore um, the court would order some maintenance. Um, based on the means and needs of the wife and also of the children. So, of course, because of how historically our society was structured and how women were, you know, lagging behind in terms of career and uh, financial um, independence, um, that would be a normal course of uh, orders that would be made in those days. But of course, now things are a little bit more different with women, more and more women advancing up the career ladder. Now, Just to be clear, is there a distinction between maintenance for children uh, and maintenance for for, for former spouses, especially in cases like this, where the former wife has sole custody of the children? Okay, so when when we talk about children, so the test is means and needs and the lifestyle, the the station in life of the family. So if if the children um, uh, need to go to tuition or to, to be educated, whether in a local school or private school, international school. So as to what kind of school or what kind of um, quality education or what kind of um, you know, monthly, monthly uh, amount is to be determined, this will also be packed against what was the lifestyle or the, what we call the station in life of that family. So if the family lived a five-star lifestyle, always flew business class, first class, then of course the maintenance will reflect that kind of lifestyle. But if you come from a more, um, more moderate family, middle income, then the maintenance will be adjusted accordingly based on what is the needs of the children or Okay, and then what kind of, uh, um, what is the means of the, the providing parent, mother and father, as well as their lifestyle. So if it's a moderate or middle class family, then the maintenance would be adjusted downwards. And, and you know, it's very, fact. it's actually very factual, but the test 
is basically means needs and lifestyle for children. But insofar as uh, the test for maintenance for spouses, the test is means and needs for that spouse. What is the means of that spouse? What is the needs of that spouse? Yeah. So to go a little bit further then, and also just to tag on, we, we did receive a message on WhatsApp from Jason who says, as long as the former wife is physically and mentally able to earn a living, I don't think they should be entitled at all. Um, so I, I guess I, I would like to ask you to respond to that firstly, but then also to break down means and needs in the context of a spouse. So that's a very good question because I think the, the perception of uh, many people is that once you're working, then you're not entitled to a single cent. But we actually have to peel back the layers and explore really is that really a fair or just or equitable position to take and auto, you know, to say just because you're working and you have a career, therefore you're not entitled to a single cent? It's not as simple as that. So what we have to really think about is if the children are living with, say, the mother, right, if they're young. So what, what is the impact of having to care for young children? What, so now you have to split from one home into two homes, which means that you have to pay rental, you know, utilities, food and lodging. And if the wife is working, then you also have to address nursery care, kindergarten care, uh, you know, some kind, if the child has special needs, all these additional, um, you know, therapies and time away. Because like, it's not something that you can just delegate away. The wife still needs to, you know, if the child is sick, take off from work, you know, she may not be able to work late nights. She has to fetch the children from school. Uh, And so if she can't fetch the children from school, and they need to use a transporter. Is it fair for her not to be to share that financial um, cost with the with the father because he's not there to help? You know, share the the parenting. So parenting is not just physical parenting; it's also financial parenting. You know, just because she is able to um, to to sustain herself, but the unseen um, the unseen um, sacrifice is that because she has to parent and make all this um, time, actually it's time, unpaid care, time work. That also means that she will lose out in terms of career progression, promotion, opportunities to say, if there are overseas conferences or um, work assignments that require her to travel outstation or elsewhere, she will have to give up on that if she is not financially compensated. So this is the cost to a parent with young children who may be working, and to say that she, she herself is not entitled to some form of maintenance, it may not be 100%, but I think some kind of recognition for the sacrifice that she makes to up, bringing on the children should be recognised. Because, you know, the, the non-resident parent who is free to climb up the career ladder, unimpeded by parenting um, responsibilities, his ability to earn and generate family wealth is not really impeded very much. You know, so it really is very fact-specific. I don't think we can just um, say very, you know, it's cut and dry. No, actually, family law, people think it's really com- uh, easy. Actually, it's, yeah, but it's not. It's quite, it's more complex than that, especially when there is like children with mental health issues, special needs children. And what about elder care? So all these things have to be factored in before we then say, okay, whether this family or this spouse is entitled to this amount of maintenance, maybe a little bit, um, a little bit more, you know, and, and, and so forth. So I think um, we need to really think a little bit deeper and peel back the layers. So if we take all that into account, how do courts calculate what is fair payment in this regard? So at the end of the day, the courts make decisions 
based on what kind of evidence the parties put before it. So if the wife is seeking a certain amount of maintenance or the husband is resisting the amount of maintenance that the wife is claiming, each party must put forward their, their, their documentary proof. So if the wife is saying, oh, I've always been um, enjoying this middle-class lifestyle. I live in, say, Petaling Jaya. This is the rental cost, you know, can you please share? So what we would say is, okay, this house, there are four people staying, wife and three children. So we would then uh, average out the cost and say every month, okay, wife is this figure, children is this figure. So can you share, you know, a percentage of that? So you need to actually produce um, docs, doc, documents to support a figure. You can't just say I want 4,000, 5,000. You need to show what is the rental, what is the rental rates. For instance, um, documents from iProperty. If you say um, monthly uh, electricity bills or utilities is this much, you need to produce these receipts and, and produce it to the judge. So the judge is able to assess, is this something that you really need? So it comes back to the needs. What is the need of this wife? What is the need of the child? So the needs, the receipts and all that show the needs. And it's also benchmarked against past lifestyle. So if your past lifestyle was a very moderate lifestyle and suddenly you hike up your expenses just to try to get a higher maintenance sum, the judge can see the pattern. So, so it's very important to, to, be, um, to show a historical um, tabulation of the spending. So this would be put in through affidavits or if it goes for trial, through bundles of documents for trial. So that's one way of, and if the husband is resisting, say it's too exorbitant, you know, we never stayed in, we never ate in, you know, Michelin star restaurants, or we never ate in, you know, we only ate at um, kopitiams or mama stalls. So show that pattern, you know. So just asserting it is not enough sometimes. You need to, you know, produce your statements, show your income statements and your pen, your spending style, your, your, your money, your money patterns. So... That's how you should um, produce it in court. Set up. Very, actually, it's very tedious, honestly, to, to really document. And every time we ask our clients to document their maintenance claims, they will moan and groan because it's very, very tedious exercise. You have to do it by month, and then you sort of annualize it, and then you, can't, you arrive at the final figure. We have a another message um, on WhatsApp from Yang who wants to know any maintenance for house husbands, which I think leads quite neatly to our question to you: Can men <laughs> can men apply to receive monthly maintenance from their former wives? Okay, so under the current law, which is under Section seventy seven seven two uh, of the Law Reform Act, uh, right now the only time when a husband is entitled to seek maintenance from his wife or former wife is when he is, okay, I read it out slowly, yeah? when he is incapacitated wholly or partially from earning a livelihood by reason of mental or physical injury or ill health. So the only time he can ask for money from his wife is he if he cannot work at all. So I know this provision is a little bit outdated and there have been like um, moves to, to reform this section in view of the fact that some it's quite common now to have women uh, entering the workforce uh, and some, many, actually, in fact, I've seen many in my practice where the women earn more than men. So we have to also take into account this changing economic landscape, yeah, where women and men are participating equally uh, in the workforce. So, so until we amend the laws, I'm afraid men, um, no claims un unless you are mentally ill, physically inc incapable or uh, have suffering from medical ill health. 
So do you think that amendments are needed to provide more clarity or to reflect this changing dynamic in marriages and families? I think the section as drafted already is sufficient. So I, I, I think me and many other family practitioners do not feel there is a need for legislative reform because as it stands, Section 77.1 already says the court may. So the discretion has always been vested in the court and the discretion will be exercised according to what facts and evidence is produced before the court. So I think if for those um, you know, spouses that are seeking to make a claim for maintenance, what's very important is to really document um, your spending, your, your needs. So your needs would be the, what do you need in terms of electricity, Wi-Fi, utilities every month, you know, how much maintenance do you pay for your apartment or condo or whatever, or gated guarded residence? Do you go on annual holidays? You know, is it something that you can still sustain and afford? Um, how much does she earn? How much does he earn? And all that. So, and so right now we are moving towards a new kind of law, a new kind of not law, but a new form of dispute resolution. Because when you go to court, um, parties may not get what they want. Um, so it is always good to go to uh, to go first resort through to mediation, um, alternative dispute resolution. Don't go to court. It's the court is um, is um, it's actually, there's a lot of backlog. Huh? So I, I'm not saying anything about um, um, anything, but it's just like it drags. And when children need, you know, their education fees to be paid for and parties are caught up in court, it's a long time to wait, you know, and children's needs continue, wife's needs continue. So if the parties are suitable for alternative dispute resolution to settle issues such as uh, maintenance, asset division, all that, I always urge clients and those who are suitable for this process, go, for, go first to collaborative law, mediation, and other forms of alternative dispute resolution. Court should be the last resort. In closing, Sulin, we have a question that's come in that's not really related to our topic today, but is <laughs> somewhat, I guess. So Cheryl says, um, are prenuptial agreements binding and widely practiced in Malaysia? Um, it is widely practiced in other jurisdictions. Um, generally, it may not be upheld in our local courts because there's no, um, because the, the court always retains discretion to, uh, it does not oust the court's discretion to, to, to attend to issues such as child, uh, child access custody and assets and maintenance. So I would tread very carefully in terms of whether a party should or should not enter into prenuptials because um, it could be struck down for uh, and void because sometimes we want to uphold the institution of marriage and Malaysia has not yet had any cases to uphold prenuptial agreements. Yeah. Siolin, thanks for speaking with us today. Yeah, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. That was family lawyer Go Siulin, um, helping us understand the headlines around um, a recent case where a judge ruled that uh, former wives are not automatically entitled to maintenance from their ex-husbands um, and helping us understand what this means in a larger sense when it comes to family law. Uh, do keep your thoughts coming. What do you make of this? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. I think we have time for this message on Twitter from Roberto. Roberto says, I personally see it as a very progressive decision. Wives nowadays can sustain themselves, which is different 
different in the case of children. I will always support in the case of a divorce to always look after the children until the day they're able to stand up on their own. So, um, I, I mean, I agree with most of that, all of that, really. What I would like to pick up on, though, is this um, idea of it being a progressive decision, partly because it is progressive, but I, I don't want... Um, I don't want to leave people thinking, after, especially after Siulin, our guest, emphasized it, that this is new. Um, mm. I, I think it's actually kind of a nice example of a law written a long time ago that can accommodate a modern interpretation without a need for a rewrite, which, as we know, with our laws, isn't always the case. Yes, and, and I think also worth keeping in mind, right, that uh, while a lot of the examples that we might personally hear of or anecdotally speak of uh, might come from a place, for instance, like the examples that have been brought up, um, women are able to earn as much as men, women are able to support themselves. That is certainly not the case across the board, across the country, across communities. Um, and so therefore, I think progressive, yes, because I'm always a supporter of, I suppose, uh, gender progressive laws. Uh, and I think we should also acknowledge that family dynamics are changing. Uh, but I think uh, it is also worth in conversations around them to keep in mind uh, that some of the problems that these laws are meant to address haven't actually gone away yet. No, absolutely. Um, but also, and then this is a separate issue, um, and then also sometimes reporting around something makes it sound different uh, to what it actually is. Keep your thoughts coming. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.